0: Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 51. This is Sports Debate Tuesday, and the episode starts right now. Hey, yo, the sun don't shine forever, but as long as it's here, then we might as well shine together. Better now than never, business before pleasure, P. Diddy in the fam, who you know do it better. Big up, Puff Daddy, love that song. Banks Victory, this is Jason DeBellis along with Rob, keep it, McLean. McLean, this is episode 51 of Sports Debate Tuesday. Rob, got a lot to talk about today, man. Max Holloway put on a schooling over the weekend. Got Connor against Poirier. You know pay-per-views are going to go all the way up. (laughs) First of all, how are you? What's good? I'm good, man. How you doing? Cool, man. Yep. As I said before, a lot to talk about. Harden with the Nets got his triple-double on his debut. Man, do they have a chance to get out of the East? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. And of course, we're tied right now for our championship picks to pick the AFC and NFC. But first things first. Kansas City Chiefs. Cleveland Browns at Arrowhead Stadium. A lot of ups and downs in that game. A lot of missed opportunities by the Browns, a lot of brilliant, intelligent calls, not one that brilliant, gutsy calls by the head coach and, and their coaching staff, Spagnolo and Biennami. And I guess I just got to skip the nonsense and ask the question to you, Rob Was this win by the Chiefs just great coaching by the coaching staff? Or did it have more to do with the, the colossal misses and mistakes by the Cleveland Browns?
1: Uh, You know, I'd say, honestly, uh, I think there's a culmination of the Kansas City Chiefs coaching like throughout the year. You know, I think they've had a really good unit on defense, not, you know, all world, but a pretty solid unit. What can you do when you pay that quarterback that amount of money? You got to make the most you can. Chris Jones has been having a fantastic season. And then, uh, you know, when Patrick Mahomes goes down an injury after, you know, they scored 22 points, they're still, you know, in the lead, but Chad Henney comes in, does a great job of six for eight, you know, it still throws an interception, but, you know, he led that team to what they needed to do. They didn't need to score. They didn't need to even put any points on the board. They just needed to, you know, do their job. So I think, you know, that's understated a lot, but just having a, a backup quarterback come in and do their job and keep everybody hyped up, you know, for the next game, because it's still another game, two games, you know, to get to a championship. Um, I think it's just that good of a coaching, that good of an organization that uh, Kansas City really is. Um, But then, you know, also on the Browns, I don't think it has to do too much with uh, what they did bad. I just think they're a young team, a young coach. They didn't really uh, capitalize on those mistakes. And that's just You know what they are they didn't really recognize that time uh if they did they didn't execute in that time and you know next year they're going to come back hungry for more and ready to get some more playoff victories so good game all around
0: Banks victory babe, um. Listen, I know I gotta pick one, but you can't pick one without giving the other its just due. Particularly in this situation, right? Very, very gutsy call. Testicular two by the coach, the coaching staff. Where Henny ran 18 yards in that third and 19, and then this this ridiculous call. Predictable if you've actually watched videotape on Kansas City to Tyreek Hill, where he just runs to the sideline and drop drops to his butt, pile driver WWE style, <laughs> butt to the ground, bam. You know to keep the clock running. I got to go with more colossal failures because, first of all, they didn't run the way we thought they were going to run. On the, Rob, on this very show, last episode and the episode before, on this very show, you were saying that with respect to, to, to Baker Mayfield, the, people, the, the thing that keeps this engine running and the reason that if Cleveland was going to win, it had to do with, in this order, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. The two-headed back man of this running game that that grounds and pounds when they're ahead allows Baker to have a fielder with play action, which we didn't see a lot of. I don't think we saw. I can't even remember one play where I saw a play action. Maybe there. Were, if guys message me if there's one, we'll be like, okay, there's the one. <laughs> okay, out of all those places, probably when he was getting sacked. You know, yes, something like that. 19 total touches by both running backs. And boy, did they maximize it, right? I mean, come on. This dude, they were averaging 5.3 yards a carry piece, all right? I I believe, who was it? I believe Nick Chubb had 69 yards off of 13 carries, and the other one was 6 for 32. That is 5.3 yards apiece, 5.3 yards apiece on, what, average per rush. So they were productive, and I thought they should have used them more. So that was one mistake. Two, blitzes. On on Baker Mayfield, sometimes he has to check down, man. You got to be have a third down play that doesn't force you to check down on third and long when you when when you need that. You have to have you have to take some chances. All right. Three, they have to. Some of these players have to catch balls that are thrown straight to them, right? Baker Mayfield did try to wait to, to use Nick Chubb. He threw to Nick Chubb, and Chubb dropped the ball, I believe, twice. So there's there's another mistake. Um, not to mention. One of the bigger mistakes at the end of that the first half, down 16-3, having a chance to tie the game. You throw the ball to the one-yard line. The guy extends a little bit, gets it fumbled, and then what's supposed to be a touchdown is fumbled in the end zone or results in a touchback, which I think is the stupidest rule. Imagine you're on you're, you're on a team where you're like, okay, I fumble. We just started the one or the ten. It's like, nope, the other team got it, and they're at the 25. It's like, oh, this sucks. Um, you mentioned something, and you're probably going to mention later on in the show about the helmet-to-helmet, which 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 was the, uh, um, the other, you know, we had some big elephants in a room, but that was the elephant in the room that nobody talked about. So the biggest elephant in the room, not, not so much because it was a story of, of the other, you know, of, of the game later on is when Mahomes went down with a concussion. I mean, Rob, I know it was a brilliant call on fourth down. I know Andy Reid knows how to play defenses and those, and those blitz packages that Spagnola called it were, were just, they were reminiscent of the New York Giants when they beat the Patriots twice. But they had more chances. They had more second and third opportunities than a teenage Robert Downey Jr. in court, okay? The judge is like, all right, son, you got busted for a cocaine, but you get a strike. This is your second strike. This is your third strike. All right, well, last time wasn't your third, but this time's your third strike. How many opportunities is one professional sports team going to have to, to win this game? So I lean more towards colossal mistakes because if a team's already favored to beat you and they're already heavy favored and, and only you believe that you can win this game, they're, um, and if you believe you can win this game, the next question is how. Those are the plays as far as the how is concerned, and they did not take care of the how. Yep, and I like what you said because uh, you said last week. Look, when they beat Pittsburgh, just winning the playoff game is it just makes them hungry, more engaged. Like, this team would be back, man. I remember you mentioned that last week. So. Yeah,
1: and this is a tough, you know, it's a tough uh, team that they're playing against. Could be a two-time winning Super Bowl champion at the end of this year, you know. And you played them down to the down to the wire with Patrick Mahomes. You know, not a lot of scoring happened, or no scoring happened even after he went down. So um, I think it's you know, pretty reminiscent of that you know if they if they have their chances and they play well and they execute all year next year, you know they could come back and beat the Chiefs, even with Patrick Mahomes. You know, I think they're that talented, so just got to bring it all together.
0: So listen, this is topic one A. Since we're on, um, you know, good better team or just uh, bad <laughs> bad other team is concerned. Saints against the Bucks. Bucks visiting the the New Orleans Saints. Um. Tampa Bay won 30 to 20. There were some key misses. Cook had some key misses. Um, Thomas had zero catches for zero yards. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I, I guess overachieved. Tom Brady did a good job managing the game, right? I thought he did a really good job managing the game, real, realizing that he didn't, have to get, he didn't have to do a shootout. So I'll cut through the chase. The question, Rob, is did the better team win or did the Saints blow it?
1: You know the 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 Buccaneers defense. I feel like not you know nobody really kind of talked about how good they are. And uh, Devin White in the middle of that defense, kind of you know um, you know just commanding the defense how it needs to where it needs to be. I, I just kind of just slept on on the Buccaneers defense a little bit. But yeah, that defense is 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 tough, man. And I just think they made it tougher on uh, the Saints than, than they made it for for the uh, for Tom Brady. You know, I just. I think they both played very similar, tough defensive games and two legendary quarterbacks did their very best to score as many points as they can, you know, and uh, I just think Breeze is past his time and, you know, not many people can play till this age and still play well. And I mean, Tom Brady's playing as well as he can. I don't, I still don't think he's the best quarterback in the league right now. I still don't think he's, uh, but that doesn't really matter. You know, it's what team is going to beat what team and at the end of it, it's, what offense is going to be what defense. And the Buccaneers have a tough defense to play against, and they have a smart quarterback to play, you know, on their side too. So Bucks are scary, man. I think that's going to be a tough team to beat, you know, at the end of the day. Um, and so I just think uh, the Bucks were just the better team.
0: Yeah, I am. Um, as to the question, did the Saints blow it? Yeah, but they blew it to the better team. That's so it's such a chicken crap. A chicken crap answer on my part <laughs> as to the question of did the better team win or did did the Saints blow it? The Saints blew it to the better team. I mean, the Saints beat him twice in the regular season, but there was something to say about a team that's never played together not having a preseason. There's something to be said about Antonio Brown not hitting his stride and then strengthening their receiver core. And there's something to be said about Tom's ability to play, um, for, people to, to, for him to galvanize people around him and make them better versions of himself as the season goes on. So with that being said, Tom Brady, knowing that he still has a strong arm, but, like, as far as Twitch reaction and this and that, there are just too many quarterbacks. He's not in the GOAT. Uh, he's in the GOAT conversation as far as greatest of all time. But, but, um,. As far as, like, current league MVP and this and that, those are two different categories, just like um, MMA, right? Like, Khabib right now is listed as the pound-for-pound best, and people take exception to that because they confuse pound-for-pound best with greatest of all time. You know, people are like, oh, what about John Jones? So we are not insulting Tom Brady. We're we're compartmentalizing the two categories. So Tom Brady knows he's not the best quarterback in the league. He's probably fifth on that top five list. And – but listen – With not being the best quarterback comes with just knowing how to manage games. You you know this is going to be a defensive game. You know it's going to be a field position game. So, you as a quarterback are like, okay, this isn't the game I try to throw for five hundred five yards because that's that's not what I have to I have to do to win this game. And you know Tom Brady can still to the scoreboard. The guys, I mean, the last four games, it's always like three eighty nine, three fifty something. Everything is damn near four hundred yards a game and four scores and three scores. So, he's picking uh, getting getting his uh, balls intercepted less. That seemed like a more uh, beginning of the season thing, de facto preseason thing. So I would say just the better team won. I would say he knew his limitations. He knew that he didn't have to be a better version of himself to win this game. In fact, I think their best receivers only got one catch apiece. Antonio Brown, one catch. I believe, um, who else? Antonio Brown, one catch. Um, Mike Evans, one catch for three yards. Happened to be a touchdown. Hey, can't be mad at that. Leonard Fournette. Knew this was the game that he was going to have to light it up. He got 63 yards rushing, but he also had 44 yards receiving and and a score. So, yeah, man, great game by Tom Brady. Great game by the Tampa Bay Bucks. And and I think as uh, we're saving this for a quick question, but I think time is running out for Drew Brees because there was always this thing that he didn't have a running game, or he didn't have people to throw to, and he didn't have a defense. But as as the coaches start to surround him with these missing pieces you run out of excuses so it's 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 a good problem to have he's at the divisional it round within with a chance to go to their to go to, go to another nfc championship match like that would have been his three and four years okay it would have been right. his third and four years so um no nah, i gotta go with good bucks better team i mean man.
1: also look at like what the chargers did you know they took philip rivers pretty much his career mm-hmm. And created a like a, a franchise around him, and then when he they decided to part terms with him, you know they get a, a first round quarterback, Justin Herbert, and now that team's looking dangerous. You know that team they got a receiving core, they got a nice defense. As long as everybody stays healthy, you got to get a little bit more passing protection. But you know the Chargers did a really good job of building up their their team. I think the same thing goes for you know the Saints where. You plug in a nice little quarterback to that team, you know, maybe get somebody in free agency to, to, to you know, go over a little bit longer. Uh, man, I mean, that team looks like it's still competitive for the next, you know, five, six years of that defense and, and uh, that receiving core and, you know, all the things they built around it with the running game as well. So it's very interesting how, uh, you know, what they're going to do in the next steps coming forward.
0: And in the spirit of celebrating Martin Luther King Day, Martin Luther King Day, which was yesterday, and the progression of the African American, um, um, I'll say particularly again, in sports that are highly dominated by African Americans like football and, and, and professional basketball, it's good to have some of these coaches. Man, get, uh, get these opportunities. We're going to get, get into the head coaching thing later, but all four of his major assistants, Bruce Aarons, are African American. You know Brian Lefwich, former quarterback. I think is the OC. Um, I think was it Raheem Morris? No, no, no. Um, but his OC, his DC, and his special teams coordinator, and the fourth guy. He has four. His top four. The next ups are all African American. So, and all of them deserve a look at. And at, I mean Brian, Byron Lefwich is two years away from probably interviewing as a you know, a head coach, a young, a young head coach. I'm I, man, isn't that great? <laughs> isn't that great? Yeah, that is. Yeah, man. So, hey, that's on football. We're going to move on to MMA. Um, more particularly, we're going to move on to the UFC. Last week, Holloway versus Cater, which I thought it was actually Calvin Katara, but what the hell do I know? You listen to Molly Karam. You listen to Ariel Hawani, You listen to, um, um, Bruce Buffer, I'm like, okay, the one I'm going to listen to is Bruce Buffer because he got that one job to do, okay? All the rest of them are multitasking. <laughs> um, Holloway, he got lumped up a little bit, but as far as, like, striking and slipping in and out, man, he took this dude to school. My goodness. The question is, and you know we, we're talking about Holloway, we probably got to talk about Volkanovsky, right? But what's up next for Holloway now that he keeps staving off and playing um, – what do you call it? Sentry, a gatekeeper to the title, right? Because everybody's like, You want a, t- a shot of the title? Right. Why don't you fight Max? And Max is just Max is just gonna sweet Jesus, Jesus. He's just gonna work these people. So I'd like to go first on this one. Yeah. What's next for Max Holloway? I would like to see him fight. There's an uppercomer. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the UFC rankings, but he's already beaten Brian Ortega, right? He's already beaten um Calvin Qatar or Calvin Cater, excuse me, who's ranked number six. And at the time he beat Ortega, I believe it was for the belt, right? Um, he was the champ and Ortega stepped up and got the challenge. So I'm looking at the rankings right now, and I'm only pulling them up because I want our audience, you know, who have the benefit of video view, just to see what's going on. Zabib is the guy I would love to see him fight. If Holloway, if they don't give him his third title shot. That's the guy I want to see him fight. Zabib Magomed Shapirov, okay? Forget about Yaya Rodriguez. Forget about Chan Son Jung. Forget about Josh Abbott. Forget about Jeremy Stevens. Basically, all of these guys are capable fighters in, a, in an increasingly good division. But at the same time, not, there's like we said, it's a two or three horse race at the very, very top. And you said two horse. So, so what's up next for Max? The Trilogy? Or let him fight Zabit, which I think, just for a fan's perspective, would be really, really great. And I, I, it's I, it's a dangerous fight because whoever wins, you, you is gonna use lose years off their life. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I like Zabit because I don't know what the hell is Volkanovski doing right now. Who's he gonna fight if he doesn't fight Max? I want that time? fight.
1: I want Zabit versus Volkanovski. That's,
0: That's what, what you I want. want. That's cool. what I want. So you all right, so now you got Zabid versus Volkanovski. What's up next for Max?
1: I mean, I I would love to see a Yair Rodriguez or a Korean zombie. I think that would be really exciting. Um I just don't I don't know I don't really like the Brian Ortega matchup again for uh Max Holloway. I think that's uh, you know, second. I think Zabida is probably second in my in my eyes and, and Ortega is probably the you know, that guy that kind of is the gateway to the, the, to the top three. But, um, hmm. yeah, I would really like to see uh, Korean Zombie or uh, a or uh, Rodriguez just because, um, you know, Rodriguez is really long. He's very active, uh, and he kind of matches that type of pace and style of, of uh, Max Holloway, and he, he throws some really interesting and, and different stuff, and Man, he could totally clip so Max good, and get him. He? But I think at this weight class, it's the only thing that's going to you know stop Max uh, you know, is it, something that's just crazy and just so overwhelming. So I would love to see a, a Korean Zombie or a Rodriguez fight for sure.
0: Yeah, man, it's a really good fight, man. Um, pretty star-studded um, main card, right? Buckley fought in the. Uh, um, he got yep. KO'd. Yes, he got he KO'd did. by the Cuisine by the Italian. Um, Great comeback match by two legends who were kind of longer at the tooth at the near end of their career, Carlos Carlos Condit against Matt Brown. Uh, The best two fights, I mean, out of all of these finishes, the best two fights were a (laughs) decision, and that was the co-main and and the main, you know. Uh, Sad for Santiago Nubio got caught with that, um, man, he got caught with that shot, and I can't even remember who he fought against, but because um, I'm drawing total blanks right now because I'm really really excited about two that, I'm yeah. really excited about 257 right now UFC 257 <laughs> hey for the um first time in a year Conor McGregor's back in the cage all right and he to his credit has finally given someone a rematch that he's that he's beaten because he seems to want rematches and the, uh, the, and matches that he lost but you know I think um Dustin Poirier has done more than enough to earn the right to to come back all right what are these t- the only t- thing these two even have in common remotely is that Khabib beat the both of them in convincing fashion Khabib who is accused of being a decision machine the higher the level of f- fighter caliber fighter that he fought them the more times it results in a finish <laughs> right think about it everyone yeah. that he that was a number f- number two or number three or above all finishes Connor um Dustin Poirier um, uh, Justin Gaethje. So, all of these guys are number ones and number twos. Poirier, in fact, was the interim champ at the time. Uh, um, so, who wins? I think we're both going the same direction. I guess my question is, we both pick that to win this, right? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my question is, if Poirier is, can win, or if he's going to win, What's different now that's not different then?
1: Well, first off, confidence. Um, And I think that's, you know, I think the the conversation, um, the best thing about somebody who talks trash is, you know, they're actively allowing you to hear what's going on in their mind, you know, and it might be some, you know, funny stuff or weird stuff or whatever. But, you know, you'll hear this time Connor is not going to talk about, I mean, he's, he's a very truthful trash talker where, you know, if he honestly believes that you're, you, you can't stop him. He's going to tell you that, and he's going to really mean it. And I think everything he said last time was completely true that, you know, Dustin really wasn't ready for it. And and you could tell in in his, just as his antics, but now, you know, he's much more confident. He's much more uh, uh, strategic or he has like an idea of what he wants to do now in the ring. Still don't think it's even close to, you know, Conor's ability to, to um, execute and, 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 you know, just go out there and fight the way he wants to fight and make people do things that he wants them to do. Uh, but, you know, he's a really strong boxer. Uh, if he puts one and two together, I think the biggest thing for him to win this fight is to, um, you know, hit Connor with something hard early, you know, and really get him to respect his power. Uh, whether it's in the body whether it's in the you know on the chin you know and just something really quick and, and, and kind of engage early and, and not let Connor kind of uh, slowly get into the fight um, but other than that I really think Connor's probably gonna roll away with this um, pretty pretty handily
0: yeah I do too Connor said he's gonna knock him out in 60 seconds or inside of 60 seconds and I don't know about that I don't know about that either and look that's to me that's just Connor being Connor and I'll tell you why because if he's right, if he says oh that God. and he's Mystic right, Mac, he's Mystic you know? Mac. But if he says that it, and it nah. doesn't happen, who's going to remember that? Who's going to remember? That who's going to call him out and say, "I thought you said it's going to be sixty seconds"? Nobody's going to say. He said gonna say
1: Diaz. That. I'm going to take him out in the second round, and you know he ended up losing. And that nobody fight too, remembers yeah.
0: that he said that yeah, because, exactly. and that's what makes him saying it so unique. It, he has right. no, he has everything to gain, and nothing to lose because he has been right more often than not. And he has a group of fans, still has a group of fans that can think that think he can do no wrong, okay? Yeah. I was, I was anti-Connor, but I got on board because the, the guy the guys goes down on his shield, you know what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, rising tides lift all ships. Like his popularity made people notice Khabib. His popularity, giving Diaz that shot. If you remember Diaz, Diaz was doing 20 and 20. 20 to show up, 20 to win. How long has he been fighting in the UFC man you know so you know when connor he says take me you should take me <laughs> take me right now take me okay i thank you fine Tank, tanks. thanks a lot connor okay <laughs> so i'm 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 kind of got on board with him because he his rising tide lifted all ships like i said before and at at some point when you talk all this nonsense you got to back it up and more often than not he has backed it up so, and, good for, and yeah, I picked Conor to win this. So the, as of the question of if Dustin's going to win, what, how can he win or what's going to be different from the other ma- the match besides what you said, confidence? Um, and I guess just beating people that are bigger than Conor, like he beat Justin Gaethje, who's a, who walks around heavy. He beat uh, Eddie Alvarez. He, he's um, beaten Max Holloway. His slips and his boxing, is really, really, really good right now. It's really, really good right now. He he has a uh, reach disadvantage right now. I think Connor's seventy-four inches, and his is seventy. Yeah. But so is Khabib's, and Khabib dropped Connor, and Khabib's not even known for his power. You know, Connor. I mean, I don't think he will beat Connor by KO. I do think if he slips in and out and if he's able to eat some of those shots cuz you know eventually Connor's going to catch him if if he he's not going to be surprised by his power that's the other thing right i mean right. um so that's the other the other uh advantage he's going to have if he wins it'll be five round decision and i think he wins the last three rounds if he wins by stoppage i think guillotine choke guillotine choke choke early first round or late third round that's what I think. Guilty and choke. I think he catches Connor, and I think Connor pa- panics and taps. Um, yeah, I mean that's, um, that's the, the crazy only thing. the only two ways I see him winning. I don't see <clears throat> he ain't going to KO Connor. Nobody does.
1: You know, uh, 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 you know, as long as it's a five round fight, you know, make Connor go to five rounds. I mean, that's how many how many people have made Connor to go to five rounds? He's one and one. Uh, you know, after four rounds, pretty true much. that. Yeah, he like, is right? mm-hmm. Like who who else has really made him go that far? So. Uh, or one and two, I guess, against uh, uh, Khabib. You know, yep. Khabib and, and, and Diaz are the only two people really to take him, and he passed the third round, fourth round. So uh, I think, you know, make him go into deep water because in in, in, uh, in the fight game, he's still pretty young in, in those championship rounds. So, you know, that's another great way. I think there's a lot of ways Kamen can lose, uh, you know, outside of the whole skill game because, man, his skills are just exceptional, you know. And, and that's yeah. the funny thing, the difference between, you know, a Sean O'Malley, whose skills are exceptional, but you know, physically maybe not be able to handle it. You know, Connor can handle it. You know, it's really just about his cardio and unfortunately that's a real part of the game. So
0: mm.
1: you know, skills yeah. don't still don't win everything.
0: And he ran into Cheeto Cheeto Rivera Cheeto Rivera man oh, Cheeto Sometimes I mean Connor. The only the only dog Connor ran into at one forty five was Max, you know, and Connor tore his ACL I mean, and Max tore his MCL. So so that was that was a that was a match that wound up on the ground for like two or three of the rounds. I mean, Nate's a dog.
1: Uh, Con, uh, no, one forty five.
0: Uh, no, one forty five.
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying, like you know, Connor's not built to fight against you know uh, uh, like even Sean O'Malley. Like I think it was a terrible matchup because you know Cheeto like Cheeto's a dog, his, his, man. But his his bone mass is is made for a larger weight class. Mm-hmm. So to stick him against a guy who O'Malley could probably drop down to, you know, flyweight. You know, honestly, because he he has that body type. I think that's just a horrible matchup. Those you know? are the, just almost those are the guys a shut shut them up kind of game. But you know?
0: those are the good matches I like to see because the old thing in boxing. Mike Tyson said everyone has a game plan until you get hit, right? Yeah. But I say it the other way. Everyone has a game plan until you hit someone that normally crumbles under your shot that's still there and says, what else? What else you got? And Vera's mm-hmm. that dog, man. Max is that dog. I'm, and Nate, you mentioned Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is definitely that dog. <laughs> Nate Diaz definitely. is that
1: guy. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs>
0: so Nick Diaz is that guy. Jorge Masvidal is that guy. So um, those are the guys that are like, Okay, you hit me, Mm -hmm. and I'm still here, so (laughs) plan B. What's plan B? I don't know. I'm just (laughs) making this up as we go along. What are you going to say? Sorry.
1: Uh, No, no, nothing.
0: Let's go through two more matches. We're not going to go through the whole card, but there's um, a a co-main event um, that wasn't on our agenda, but I thought I'd just throw it in for fun. We got Dan Hooker against Michael Chandler. Give me a, a quick pick.
1: Uh, I want, I want Dan Hooker. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Dan Hooker because I love them elbows, man.
0: I'm going Michael Chandler by knockout. Um, Mm. He has a, he has a, he's a wrestler that, man, he he slips in and out with that body shot and then comes over with that overhead right and he knocks people dead with one shot. Hooker can take a shot, but I mean, I'd be very, very surprised if he's, um, I, I pick Chandler by finish. I'd be very, very surprised if Chandler survives the first round. Um, And I know. I mean, I know it's a bold prediction because we know Hooker's a dog. We were we had a conversation about dogs. I know Chandler's
1: background and all that. I I think he's good and all, but I, you know, he's an older fighter coming into this league right now and taking Mm. a step up in in competition level. I know he was a champion, but he lost his last fight (laughs) to Eddie Alvarez. But that's also the question too,
0: right? The question I just asked, like. If Chandler hits him with that, with everything he has, and Hooker's still exactly. there, what, what then? So, exactly. we just had this conversation. So you're right. Cool, man. Hey, slam. Hook, yeah.
1: hmm? I'm sorry. I was just saying Hooker's got to last for the first two rounds, and then it's going to be a real fight.
0: Yep. All right, people, leaving the door cracked open for for MMA and the UFC uh, for quick question. But for right now, we're going to go to our AFC championship picks and NFC championship picks. Last week, Rob was three and one. I believe you lost with um, the Saints. Mm. I'm four and0, oh, so both right now our records are both eight and two. We are tied head to head going into this ch- conference championship series for the NFL Rob. Let's go first, you're going to go first on this. Let's go the NFC championship game. Green Bay is hosting Aaron Rodgers. No, excuse me. Green Bay is you're hosting like Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tampa Bay's <sighs> coming to town. Who you got?
1: I mean the weather is cold in Green Bay man, and just Tampa people aren't built for that so I'm gonna go with Green Bay on this one but I, I love what Green Bay is doing on the on the ground it it's, it looks really hard to stop so offensively I'm just they they're gearing up for a good game so I'm gonna go with Green Bay here pretty confidently.
0: Rob, keep it McLean McLean. I had the, all kinds of songs in my head for this one, right? You know, I'm a, I am mean, I was never a Patriots fan, but, uh, but I was always a Tom Brady guy. So I had to hold my boyfriends back very good than before. And then I remembered two important things. One, the last time they played Green Bay, they won 38 to 10 or something like that. They starched them. And Rodgers is, is an old dude with a long memory, okay? Mm-hmm. And two, Green Bay's hosting. So the song changes from my boyfriend's back to, Oh, the weather outside is frightful. (laughs) fire is so delightful. (laughs) And since there's no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It is not just going to snow in Green Bay. It is going to rain. The Green Bay Packers right now seems to be the most complete team in the NFC. I guess... The Bucks would be that other team, right but there. but yeah. but I got to call the Bucks the other team on this is because everything that they went through, all of those barely wins, all of those disappointing losses that led to the 13-3 record, which was, by the way, identical from last year, big up to Matt LaFleur, back-to-back back 13-3 and records, and they're going to the third NFC championship game in four years, and I think Rodgers as the host was, is going to get it right. Him. I mean, there are some games he's not even the best Aaron. <laughs> Aaron Jones is. He's got a true number one wideout. He's got a bend but don't break defense. And and, and when they're not bending and they're not breaking, they are creating turnovers. They're keeping... Not only, not only that, Rogers and his head coach, who I thought wasn't gonna work because of you know they're drafting Love, yeah, first round, love. has worked out like a charm. They just like Brady, he, Rogers knows he ain't gotta light up the scoreboard. He he has these these um, game management realizations. It's like, hey, I'm good. I, I already got like two ninety six or something two ninety. I got four scores. I didn't throw a pick. We're up by two scores. I got Aaron Jones and Williams as my running back. How about we just do the traditional way? Get a lead, ground and pound. Because every time you run, that clock keeps running. You know, but you know, incompletion, stop the clock. And they're doing. They've been winning the old school way. They've been winning the traditional Bart (laughs) Starr Green Bay way. So, gotta go with the Packers, with you on. You you, you said Packers, right? Yeah. All right. All right. uh, Game two. Actually, I don't know if it's game two, probably game one. But the other game, the AFC Championship game, we had the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Buffalo Bills. I go first on this one, Rob. And the only thing I got to say is, hey, hey, hey. (laughs) hey, 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 let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. You know, Rob, Rob, you know I am an imposter on this show right now. You know I am not being completely candid and self-honest when I come to this pick. You know, Rob McLean, that I am not being 100% objective on this. You know, Rob, that I am, I bring new meaning to the term prisoner of the moment. But you got one team you're going to be right. 15 out of 17 times. They're 15-2, and two, right? I got one team. I was right 15 out of 18 times out of the year. I picked them every single time, and I was right 15 out of the 18 times. And like I said, if you think Buffalo was scared to play Kansas City and, and were hoping for the Browns to win, you have another thing coming. To quote Raekwon from the Wu-Tang Clan, they got guns, we got guns too. What up, son Duke? won a battle for cash to see who son's who? They got, they got a they got a running game, they got a receiving core, they stretch the field, so do we. They got a, a defense that bends but don't break, so do we. And in a game where if Kansas City wins, I got nothing to win or lose. Kansas City's supposed to win in in the eyes of many of the experts. I'm going with the Bills.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think a lot of the pressure is off the Bills. I think uh not only how they played uh last week against the Ravens, but just how they, you know, close it out, you know, even, you know, it, it was a tight game the whole game. They didn't they didn't really do anything great on offense, but, you know, their defense I thought played the best game they probably played all year. Um, and they did it against uh, one of the toughest, you know, two-way type of players to play in the league with uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I definitely love what I saw more than, you know, Kansas City where, you know, they played a tough game against the Browns, um, started faltering a little bit, and then, you know, Patrick Mahomes got hurt, and that's my biggest thing for this whole season has been where, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes is still just a little bit young, and he's just not able to quite lead the team, uh, anything passed on the field. Um, I think he's still a little, like, you know, how do I say? He's a little airheady. you know? He's like too happy-go-lucky, not as intense and as, as focused as, as you can be. And, and that's kind of what that team kind of looks like. You know, they have – it's like when they need to do something, they do it. But if they don't need to do it, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's just the way I kind of feel when I when I see the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm definitely going to Buffalo Bills from what I saw last week and uh from, what, uh, from what I saw from the Bills last week and from what I saw from Kansas City. So, yeah, let's go Bills. Wait a second. I'm wearing blue.
0: Rob McLean, did you just say you picked the Buffalo Bills to win this weekend?
1: Yes, sir. Yes,
0: sir. You just said the Buffalo Bills are going to win this weekend. I think so. You're my very best friend. You're my very best friend. This is going to leave us tied, but you know what? We got the Super Bowl to make up for that one and then the Super Bowl, you know what? I'm going to let you pick first. <laughs> next time. <laughs> I got to be I ain't trying to be anti-Rob today. I got mad love for Rob. Even though I didn't even record the first 5 minutes of this segment. <laughs> we probably got to go back. <laughs> um, I mean, we ain't got to it. We don't want to um, trust me cuz we got enough material, but we got to re- we got to recover the Browns. Um, I'm saying this live cuz I don't care. And I also um every I, my audience knows it's a brechtian setup it's naked we set up in front of them so we're not trying to like give them an illusion or a disguise except when we go to my favorite section which is coming up next <laughs> rob mclean for our audience at home and on a video i bring you to shame or not to shame 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 Okay, Rob, what's up, brother? Hey, listen, This in this segment of to shame or not to shame, all of them are shame. We both agree that all of them are shame. So we are going to pick which one of these three categories is the most shameful, uh, given this past weekend, all right? So, audience listening at home, you guys pick two. Which one was more shameful? Was it Michael Thomas from New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints? Had zero catches. Zero yards. The New Orleans Saints. The number one wideout. Was it Rashad Higgins fumble at the one-yard line for the Cleveland Browns that he fumbled, went into the end zone, res- resulting in a touchback? Or was it Cook? The Saints' wide receiver gets a pass thrown at him. It hits his helmet and his shoulder pads at the same time, bounces off, and gets intercepted. Rob McLean, we, both of us have an entire minute of peace. The floor hmm. is yours. Rob, which one do you pick?
1: Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's definitely Higgins at the at the goal line. Um, but for me, it's not Higgins that is, uh, the shame is on. It's the referees or the league um, that, you know, we do so much uh, you know work on the targeting call and you know helmet to helmet contact and you know I mean the second you see that replay, the guy's clearly spearing another guy in the helmet uh, you know and that's the o- that's really one of the only reasons the ball gets separated and I think you probably would have scored on that play but regardless you know that's a penalty on the one yard line and, and a first and goal so I think it's pretty shameful that um, whether it's that you can't change, uh, the call for the penalty a very clear and dangerous penalty on the field um, through a replay because I know sometimes you're not allowed to change uh, certain plays for penalties um, but I think in certain penalties uh, where you're trying to protect player safety um, if you're going to go all the way out that you know for quarterbacks and stuff you got to go all the way out and, and protect your 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 skill players as well so I think that's either just shaming the league or shaming the refs but definitely not in the player you know he's playing hard I think we got to give them a little leeway to to have protection and, and still play hard.
0: Rob, wow, that was very, 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 very good of a um, analysis on shame or no shame. Because, yeah, man, that guy led with his helmet, and I can't. I mean, Crushed I know it. the refs are concentrating on watching where the ball crosses the line because that's also a critical moment in the game. But you're trying to tell me that you didn't see that. That guy led with right. his helmet. And the, their defense was it wasn't a defenseless player. Um, And I guess there's an argument to be had on that. And all of the Monday morning quarterbacks are always saying you never extend. You know, telling players you never extend. But as competitive athletes, you're going to extend, <laughs> right? Because they always tell you, hey, don't extend, especially in that time. In the worst-case scenario, if you don't extend, you're at the one-yard line. And you know between – Chubb or or Hunt, someone's gonna run it in, but I like your shame and no shame. Mine, Rob McLean, is uh Cook. Cook getting hit in the pads. I mean, it's the game is 20-20, right? Then it's 23-20 or 27-20. I wasn't sure if it was a score or field goal. But you have this unique, sorry, I gotta start my minute. You have this unique opportunity to come back and win this game or come back and tie this game and constantly compete and put constant pressure on Tom Brady and see what he does at the end. And this man failed significantly. Everybody was saying, Oh, the throw was a little behind or there was this and that. It wouldn't dude. it. was thrown a little behind. Yeah. But if a ball hits you in the helmet and your hands and your pads and it bounces off someone and it results in an interception, the shame is on you. Not to mention that I believe that half the reason they were behind in the first place is because he fumbled the ball earlier in the game. He caught a ball, turned around, and then got it punched out. So he was one of the reasons they were behind in the first place. So you what? You have faith in your players to to try to find ways to bring you back in. And and, and I got to tell you, if Drew Brees, whose arm looked like a rubber band, if, if he chooses to still throw to you and you have a chance to redeem yourself, shame on you. Shame on you. And I, and I think I speak for both of us when I say that – um. Sorry, I speak for both of us when I say that Thomas was just as shameful too.
1: I, I know he was bad. injured, but bad. he's your
0: number one wideout, and of, is he going to catch as many yards as he wants? Is he going to set the world on fire? But we do you have to go the polar opposite? Whoops. do you have to go the polar opposite? You know, I'm sorry, I got a camera thing. I'm gonna fix that. No worries. Oh. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, do you have to go the polar opposite? The answer is no, you don't. So, yeah, shame on all of that. Rob, quick, um, we're moving to our next category. We're moving to quick question. And it's quick question. Quick question. Quick question, Rob. Um, Andy Reid's call on fourth down. Was it brave or stupid?
1: Uh, I think it was just smart. I, he's doing the same thing he's done all all season long, and Chad Henney can make that throw. So yeah. keep it the same.
0: Everybody talks about how brave he is, but only because they, they converted on the fourth down. I think it was an incredibly stupid call. You're not up by a field goal. You're up by a touchdown of like five points. You punt. Normally you punt, the, but of course uh, – it's, it's a brilliant thing because he did it. But those same people, we know what we heard on Monday morning, would we'll be talking about how shameful it is if they failed on it and if the Cleveland won as a result of it. So at least with me, I'm staying consistent. Uh, do the Bills still win if Jackson doesn't get hurt?
1: Uh, yes. Yes. But I think it, it, it's, it's definitely a toss up, you know. But, uh, you know, they're down 17 3, so
0: yeah.
1: hard to say in a defensive game. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Cool. I say yes. Uh, Will Breeze be back next year?
1: Breeze be back? Yeah, but I think this is going to be his last year next year.
0: I say yes. Um, Harden joins the Nets. Triple-double debut. Uh, Do they win the East? No. (laughs) Um, I I don't think so. I say no. And the the second question is do they win the n b a title so that's an emphatic no if they don't win the east so tree. <laughs>
1: I think it might be easier to go through the middle of the east um but uh who knows?
0: yeah who well, knows. Style's making matchups though that that I mean great systems beat great players, and we've seen it
1: you have two guys of your three guys who get paid so much money who don't play defense, right. so I don't know how that's gonna work
0: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> quick question. <laughs> quick question. Golden State beats the Lakers last night. Are they back or is this an anomaly?
1: I mean, it's hard to be a quick question on this one, but yes, they're back because they got Steph Curry. you got to think about – sorry to go real quick on this. They, they were missing Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green, really, for a, a large part of the time. That was the, the dream team three that made them put any piece together. So. Uh they have a little bit back and look how successful they could be. Yeah, they're they're definitely been back.
0: Um gonna go to your camera for a second. Rob, uh quick question. Who wins between Joanne Calderwood and Jessica I?
1: Um I believe Calderwood. I think she's got a little bit more tools and uh Jessica I. I just I'm not a big fan of her. I think she's a little stiff um, and uh, and her skill set is a little um, too small to maybe progress further than she is, but um, she's a tough fighter. You know, you never know in the fight game, but I think uh, Calderon.
0: Yeah, I like, um... sorry, buddy. Just trying to fix my camera. That was bizarre. All right, I'm back. My camera ran out of record time, uh The administrative gaffe on my part. I go with... Um... I go with Jessica i I think Calderwood excuse me, I think calderwood is a is a warrior. I think Calderwood is you know she's she always gives you her best and that's why she wins more than she loses because half the time I think she what she lacks in talent she makes up in hard work and you see her outwork people, but as you continue to climb up the the chain of com of talent command uh it's just, it's just it's, Jessica is too talented um quick question, Rob. Is has is Biennemi's success working against him right now as far as interviewing for a head coach? Because right now I think I'll answer this one first. I say yes, and it sucks that Kansas City didn't like lose earlier. You want you want permission to interview this guy because right now you got five hires and all five of all five are, are are white coaches. But and I think people are making a big deal out of that. And I know I shouldn't be saying this on Martin Luther King Day, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Because the best guy candidate out there is Beanie, and he's still he's still he's still trying to win a Super Bowl. So, so I think his success is working against him right now. But he's not stupid, you know. He don't he he don't want that Jets job. Who the hell wants the, the New York Jets as your first job? You know. I mean,
1: <clears throat> like we were saying before, I just don't see the head coach coming from defensive or offensive coordinator. I feel like those jobs are so specific uh and it just doesn't lead to another so i just i think it's actually helping him because i think he's in a fantastic situation where andy reed is pretty much the <laughs> offensive coordinator and the gm altogether, and this offense coordinator has the freedom to go out and you know nitpick and do exactly what he wants to do so in my eyes i think He's in a perfect situation. Why not stay, make more money, create more accolades, and then maybe you can go be a GM instead. But, hey, who am I? I don't know.
0: Yeah, all right? What the hell do we know? <laughs> We're just a couple of Tuesday morning Joes. Um, <laughs> all right, so, guys, that concludes a quick question. I have a sports documentary recommendation. I just saw the first episode of a two-part series called Tiger. Tiger. Uh, It's about Tiger Woods Ascension. And when I say Ascension, there are things you do early in life that tell you this is what you're going to do in your life, right? Sometimes, some of the things you want to do early in life is like play an instrument, right? You've been playing piano since you're three. You keep playing. You want to start singing. There's certain things you do mad early in life. This kid I watched in this documentary, Swing a Golf Club, Drive a Golf Ball, two years old. And they're trying to interview this two-year-old. And I'm like, dude, Two-year-olds can't even form complete sentences until they're like closer to three than they are two. This kid can drive a golf ball before he can formulate sentences. He was born to do this. He's live live, live or die with this whole golf thing. And you and I both, we both know, Rob, and this is a reality for a lot of people that a lot of people are not comfortable talking about. I'm not even going to talk about race on this, but if Tiger Woods didn't play golf would I care about golf sorry nope I don't care about there are certain people that that magnetize you towards the sport that generate interest in a sport that makes you want to know more about the sport and Tiger Woods maybe with the exception of the golden bear Jack Nicholas back in you know back in those days Tiger Woods is that guy all right. Serena Williams is that is that girl. And it's and great. It's so convenient in the spirit of MLK, MLK Day that these people happen to be African-American. Yeah. No, I really love the sports documentary. This I give it um, so far. I only saw part one. I give it a four out of a possible four McKibben beards. Um, mm. Did you have a particular one, a sports documentary? <clears throat>
1: yeah i mean it's a sport um but it's a little bit more of like a extreme sport but uh it's called free solo and it's been out for a while but um i saw it the other day or i saw it on like uh you know a movie list the other day so you know we're bringing up sport documentaries so i figured i'd bring it up but there's this guy uh, alex Hanald, he goes um he does this uh rock face he does rock climbing um, and free soloing is when you go out by yourself and you do it without ropes and whatnot so this i guy saw did that it. yeah crazy man like so it's a free solo go check it out if you haven't seen it it's just one of the craziest documentaries i like i've never been like heart racing first time i've seen it, i've never been like heart racing watching a documentary the whole time i mean it seemed like it wasn't an hour and 40 minutes but you know it it, it was it went by in a heartbeat um, but, yeah, it was a great story about how this guy uh, faces, you know, challenges he hasn't really faced yet um, while dealing with free soloing because most of the time when you're free solo, you don't have cameras and stuff around. It's just you and nature and you just kind of go and do it. So um, very, very interesting story and pretty cool to watch uh, this guy kind of develop it. into a human being again.
0: <laughs> My wife, um, that's what she does when she's not playing volleyball or whatever. She climbs. That's what oh, she really? does. She yeah, she just she likes the workout. She likes doing things that keep her in shape and she's constantly into muscle manipulation, walking around with her six pack after doing three sit-ups. We we all we all got together and decided we hate her. We hate uh-huh. her. So um I yeah, man. I saw it. I saw it, yeah. guys. Before we go, um, I'm going to speak inside of our wheelhouse a little bit. I'm going to talk about beach volleyball, and I'm going to call this "Before We Go" section trickle up. Okay? We just got news from Volleyball Magazine, VolleyballMag.com. Thank you, Travis Muirwitter, one of the best writers uh, that breathed life into that magazine. His his journalism um, is is interesting. It's engaging, and and big plug up to him. But I'm that from 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 here right now. That's where all the plugs stop. Bringing your attention to men's volleyball. We have new partner changes. Okay? Fine, Patterson's playing with uh, Buttinger. Um, Tim Baumgren, he's got a new partner. Uh, Eric Baranek is playing with Troy Field, which, by the way, is a sponsor's wild dream. (laughs) A volleyball sponsor's wild dream. And the problem I have with the men's beach volleyball scene is I say, with respect to all of those guys, good partnerships and Theo Brennan, who I love and respect, so I'm plugging people I love before I say what I got to say because they're not going to like it. Who cares? Who gives a crap from the partner, the partner, the partnerships up top? You guys, for the last decade, have been waiting to see what these guys do, and then, and then from there, all the other partners trickle down. This, oh, this guy's here. This trickle down, trickle down, trickle down. And that is not how you take over the men scene. That is not how you ascend and gain your own respect. Okay, like Nas said, <laughs> Candy. This, it's. What what did nonsense say in that rap? Um you wanna be me. Then that rap, you wanna be me. That's the thing I hate the most. Can't even call you a man when I gotta call out your name to get you some fan, to get me some fans. <laughs> Come on. Yo, don't trickle down, boys. Trickle up. And I'm ta- I'ma name you by name, Corey, Evan Corey. You are a stud. You you all winter you've been playing with different par- different partners. You don't wait for that to happen. Trickle up, boy. Trickle up. Miles Partain, you made the draw since you were 15 years old and you know it's not enough, so you're one of the guys I don't have to talk to. Trickle up. Everybody stop worrying about these partners and the, uh, from the top and this and that. 2019 should have been the biggest testament of that when we saw Dylan Marrick and Dave Palm beat Case Beer and, and Shock on Center Court in Hermosa Beach. 2019 should have been a great example when we watched Stafford Slick and Billy Allen lose to Andy Baneshan and Adam Roberts. Do not no more trickle down boys, trickle up. All right? Admiration and respect is another th- is one thing, but but cementing your own name sometimes is not by surrounding yourself with with everybody else who has past success who are not re- not really ready to give up the goods because they got to make their money too, okay? And I only bring this to men's volleyball Rob because the women I don't even need to say that. <laughs> I don't even need to say that. We got 15 and 17-year-olds making the quarterfinals. The Norris twins qualified every chance they got. Uh, um, Ma- Ma- Maple and uh, Kraft or whatever, right? Those are the young girls. Um, Chrissy Jones, savage and interesting person. I'm going to say it again. Got to have her on the podcast. Tina Gordina has aspirations to play in the, P- the AVP right now. She qualified for Latvia. So the women, that goes without saying. The women, they've already sent this silent message saying, we're coming for you and your lunch money. All right, you want people to sport to to maintain interest. You have to get rid of, not get rid of, but you have to break up the monotony of the same 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 um, business as usual. Compete, get out there, set the world on fire, make a name for yourself. Baranic did, Marrick did, <laughs> Dave Palm was always there. So so for the volleyball men, trickle up. Up, 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 up. Trickle up. That's all I got, Rob. Now now you need to tell everybody what they want to hear from you every week because it makes them feel happy. Go ahead and say it.
1: Stay safe, stay happy.
0: See? See, guys? Rob loves you. Rob still loves you. Rob still loves you. But me? Man, I can't stand you this week. All right? This is episode 51. For all of you at home, for all of you on your iPads, for all of you on your iPhones and droids, for all of you on your desktop, who runs the world's Old school, old school for Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean. I'm Jason DeBias. Episode 51. Sports Debate Tuesday. We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.